Hey guys, welcome in to Level Up Experience. Today's a fun one. We are in the Gamer Jive virtual environment uh, with two guests. First guest is Michael Aguilar. He's an IT specialist for the University of Oklahoma, lead advisor at the University of Oklahoma Esports and Collegiate Esports Steering Committee, committee member. Uh, we also have Michael Lubker, who's the head of event operations at Gamer Jive. We have a number of different topics we're going through. Uh, they include the collegiate esports landscape when compared to collegiate analog sports, the different segments of virtual environments can be utilized, and the experiences of being introverted, having social anxiety at public events, and also just a general feel for the gamer job environment, and also the Career Fest coming up next week, May 18th to the 22nd. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, it is very visual, so if you're listening to this on audio, there is a replay on the Level Up Experience YouTube if you have time to check it out. Make sure you do that. Thank you all very much for subscribing to the podcast. It really does mean a lot. So take a few seconds to do that if you haven't already. Hope you enjoy the show. All right, Michael and Michael, we are live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, LinkedIn, and on Facebook. What's going on? Not much. Good morning. Good morning. Now we have two Michaels. Um, <laughs> we have, to, you know, distinct, have a distinction between the two. Uh, so uh, what are we calling you, uh, Michael Aguilar? Yeah, we'll go Moog. We'll go Moog. Yeah, that's, that's my call sign and for my students anyway. So perfect, perfect. So we got technically a Moog and Michael. So yeah, I, I technically have a call sign too that I've used for a long time. Uh, that's it. Um, and it's funny because it's like not from like Ratchet and Clank, but it's just I used to use it when role playing. <laughs> that's funny. I guess we'll stick with Michael for today. So so yeah, we no worries. All good, all good. Well, guys, thanks thanks for jumping on. Um, we're posting a couple of links, things like that. Let us know in chat that audio and video is working. Let's make sure we get that done first. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you all for liking the live stream. We're across different platforms. Um, so thank you all for whatever platform you're on for being with us. Absolutely. As we pull up a couple of things, I'm going to let uh, Moog, I'm, I'm going to let you jump on, talk a little bit about yourself, take about a minute or two and catch up, up to speed, and then uh, Michael let you go next. Yeah, so I work for the University of Oklahoma. I've been here almost seven years now, and for the last three and a half, I have been working on developing the gaming and esports communities and cultures on campus, um, past just the sense of intercollegiate competition, but also developing journalistic practicum, shoutcasters, streaming technologies and energies, um, journalists, journalism in the most rawest form as far as opinion pieces, um, and creative media production, and then also community engagement, both internal, external, philanthropy-focused, K-12, through at-risk youth, um, and the OU uh, student population, as well as the OU fan base population. And so um, we are an organization that's now pushing past 1,100 members in its, in its community, which makes it one of the largest student organizations on campus. Um, and uh, we've, just been, uh, we've just been chugging away at it, for sure. Very cool. Michael, let's go next. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Michael, let's go next. Don't forget you're muted, Mike. Yep. So, um, <laughs> hey, um, I'm, I'm head of event operations here at Yemujibe, um, the space that we're in virtually. And basically, I'm organizing the Career Fest event that we're having next week. Very cool. Yeah. Um, 
So if you're in chat, let us know where you're coming from. We did the audio video check. We always do a location check too. So, so let us know where you come from. So uh, Ken's already jumped in on LinkedIn. How's it going, Ken? I hope you're doing well, man. Uh, so I wanted, I wanted to start here. Obviously, we're in a we're in a virtual environment. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. What's up? What's up, Charles? How you doing, man? Uh, so Moog, I'm gonna let you. I want to jump in a little bit, a little bit on the high level of what is OU Esports? How long you've been involved with the university? And then we're gonna take it from there. Um, so reiterating on that, I've, I've been here now seven years and uh, working on the esports energies for the last three and a half, almost four. And so the reason that we're linked today is that one of the biggest struggles uh, that I have found um, in my original energies before we even talked to any students was looking at the university mission overall. You know, how do we get students to come to our campus? How do we get to them to subscribe to our brand and what we offer? How do we take care of them while we're here? But then also, how do we help them get into the industries that they're passionate about and that they love and that they want to work in? And so I've always had answers to one and two, but I've never had a solid answer to three. And, and so prior to this in the esports and gaming industries, if you were outside of the STEM related fields, you know, software development, gaming development, things like that, 3D uh, engineering, things like that, then there weren't things like major career fairs focused on this demographic. And and that's a big deal too. Um, just the nature of gaming in general and the, and the fusion between what you're about to, what you're all about to see in this platform as well, coupled with that culture and that community um, will showcase just how much more um, exposure and opportunity can be. And in, over the last couple of months, we talked about this before we jumped on, but what, what type of transition have you all went through um, dealing with COVID-19 with the program? So from the university standpoint, everything has changed. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, from, the, sure. from the eSports standpoint, not much has changed. Yes, we, um, you know, things like our Smash, uh, Smash Brothers weeklies, you know, obviously had a change. And uh, luckily, Oklahoma Smash scene is very, very connected with each other. And so they've all supported each other outside of the context of the University of Oklahoma's developments. Um, and so we just pushed it instead of fragmenting the state. We just let them do their thing. Outside of Smash, though, everything else was already done virtually or online. And so we really only maybe lost 10, 15 percent of our productivity. Um, an opportunity for programming. And that really kind of showcases the, the power of one, you know, gaming and esports cultures and communities, but also the resilience of the esports industry when it's when you at least have some balance between physical and virtual space uh, programming. Now, my brother has, I don't know, he's probably done like five to seven net play tournaments a week, like mm -hmm. since all this has happened. So obviously, the online tournaments have exploded for Smash. Uh, so I know that that very intimately what's going on there. And then there was an event this past weekend we were involved in called Smashes Rad. Um, so this, yeah. Yeah. so it's been uh, it's been a very interesting last couple of weeks. And actually, like net play online tournaments for Smash wasn't very big. Uh, it just wasn't much of a scene at all, and obviously, it's been forced to be one. So it's been well, kind of yeah. The, the challenge for Smash specifically, not to go on a tangent, is that yeah, sure. the net the net code in Nintendo is not optimal at all. But that's for the case for most uh, FGC type titles. Um, where they are so critical on lag delay and screen delay and, and um, input delay. It's just, man, you, it's amazing how triggered they get really fast. But in this world, they don't have a choice. So, yeah. yeah, I would also say that COVID impacted our business positively, which is unusual, but literally like over the past month, um, I have gone from like, you know, normal LinkedIn activity to sometimes getting a hundred connections in like two days. So, right. Um, right. Cause people are searching for that, for that being able to connect with others, right. right. Whatever right. platform it might be. Um, so you kind of see that, I, I mean, in, in all different verticals, whether it's on the, the collegiate side, keeping that ecosystem together 
um, or like the business event side. So, you know, it's kind of colliding and I, I like having both of you guys on here because it's kind of bringing in two different verticals and they're all coming together all next week with the career fest on the platform, the gamer job platform next week. Uh, so uh, maybe talk a little bit about uh, expectations for next week, um, uh, feedback and observations you have about the environment. Actually, let's walk around a little bit if we don't mind. Uh, Michael's got, Michael's got the controls. <laughs> so yeah. we'll follow, we'll follow uh, Michael around, but just thoughts big uh, on for next week. So I want to approach this from the standpoint of um, how it spoke to me. So when I was, uh, when I was first reached out to, um, I immediately bought into this after five minutes of the conversation mm -hmm. because again, being heavy gamer um, and being especially a big MMO gamer back in the world, the birth of world of Warcraft through cataclysm, mm -hmm. this, this really kind of made sense to me real quick, couple that with things like VR chat and make it purpose built for conferencing and, and intentional one-to-one -one and one-to-many um, communication opportunities. And this is a, this is a great answer and solution. And um, the biggest thing that I really wanted to focus on is so, uh, most people would never think about this, especially meeting me in 2020, but 2010 and prior to this, I was extremely introverted to the point where my wife would have to drag me by the arm to leave the house. It was bad. And so thinking about that same context and the students that are coming in that are, that were, um, and I, I'm to be completely show my age, I'm 38, so I'm millennial. I am definitely uh, grown analog and then matured in adulthood into digital. And so um, definitely that hybrid state as most millennials are. But Gen Z being being born and raised in a technical and, and digital age from the get go, um, this has been their comfort, you know, for more times than not, not all, but a big percentage. And so for me, having that same kind of uh, that inter introverted nature, I would have tons of social anxiety. I would have tons of of just my own mental blocks of thinking about going to a career fair, going to a conference, going to anybody. Oh, my God, who am I going to meet? Yeah, I want to meet them. But I would spend so many times in my own brain just just combating myself to just get the confidence to go. And so creating a, a means for us to bridge the gap between um, a more reserved and introverted culture overall, on top of something that is uh, is very can speak to a large demographic without much explanation, um, is, a, is a very valuable in its way. And so while we're using it and talking about uh, upcoming esports career fair next week with Gamer Jive, the application for the platform, especially for higher education that is catering very heavily to Gen Z, obviously, right now, can provide some opportunities from unique programming, which everybody in higher education is absolutely looking right now, while much of our programming is completely um, subdued because of the lack of physical programming ability. So mm, this can absolutely su uh, support and, and supplement the replacement of programming almost entirely, at least as the best solution. But at the very least, it should be ancillary programming or supplemental programming to major events, which then at that point, um, you could do a more frequent base of programming versus putting all of your money and all your resources into one flagship event. And it just doesn't line up for some of the audience, some of the companies that could come or some of the vendors that can be there. And now you have additional opportunities for a, a considerably lower cost to still create visibility and um, and opportunity. What are, what are some of the pillars? You mentioned a couple, I guess, but what are some more, I guess, deeper on this? Uh, some of the pillars of the higher learning and then how these virtual environments can create this immersive experience that otherwise wouldn't have? Well, a lot of universities focus on uh, recruitment, retention, and engagement. Um, as their kind of main metrics to grade themselves on retention being how many how many really of our freshman class retain into the sophomore class um and then you know how do we keep them how do we keep them engaged on campus how do we give them part of the reason they subscribe to a specific brand is yeah you're coming there for the education but um in the other scenarios what else what other anemones can you offer what other what other 
opportunities can we participate in? And, you know, that can be answered by things like athletics programs that can be answered by things like intramurals or that can be answered by things with student life programming, um, entrepreneurial energy startups, um, you know, interest based student organizations, all of that. And in between, the problem is the majority of them had heavy physical programming demands. Um, I mean, I reference uh, OU football, you know, it's a staple for us. It's a big deal, but that's shaky ground. You know, that's we just don't know until it's here in the fall what that's going to look like. And so that's part of the experience of being on campus and, and understanding that energy. Even if you're not a fan of, of um, traditional sports in that way, you still feel it. Like you will still feel it being on this campus. And it does bring a different energy for the entirety of the cultures. And that's the same for any campus that has any kind of you know programs that, that are meant to just keep students engaged and, and make their experience unique and create the value in the brand that you're literally selling to prospective students and, and current students and, and then the future generations that might be interested in coming. So, um, you know, those are, those are the big ones as far as retention or recruitment. And then for me, um, my biggest one is what, what resources do we have in our university that will help students actually land career in what they caught an education in? So, you know, if we, if we can connect that, that tie and saying, Hey, we're partnering with companies that can offer internships, a longer journey and, and as well as partnering with companies that um, are looking for graduates from our university. Um, or your university specifically for those partnerships and saying, this is the caliber of student that we're creating. This is the caliber of professional that we're creating for the workforce and industry. And it removes a lot of questioning in regards to the headhunting from companies. Well, that part is the one of the biggest contact points right now that's, that's kind of hurt because um, we don't have that physical career fair opportunity right now. <laughs> and uh, this can help as a stopgap for sure, as well as again, as I go back to it, as a means to also be supplemental programming um, throughout the years. Now you don't have to just have a massive career fair for every single branch and, and educational academic curriculum pipeline. Now you can do maybe one that's purely focused on those specific areas, utilizing a platform like this as supplementation to the biz bigger physical events once that time comes back. And then talk a little bit about, you know, my mind initially goes to like, you know, digital footprint, um, the pillars of how you're able to connect with students online and your online engagement, uh, your digital engagement, the, you know, the digital, and it's not talked about much right now to, I think to this depth, but like your, your digital uh, environment. I mean, I, it's going to be, look, this, it's going to continue to, to, to uh, have legs, I think, as far as, because you kind of, you have the physical world, you have the physical engagement, but then what is your digital engagement like from, from the university and education level? And then being able to, again, add that layer to it, um, because obviously what's happened the last few months has brought it front and center. So what are your thoughts on that? And then Michael, you can jump into as well, um, like how, how gamer drive, because my mind initially goes to, you know, a university has its physical environment, but a university could have its digital environment. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So I know what y'all's thoughts on that. Michael, you want to go first? Um, I, I actually I, I, know, sorry. Um, uh, you go first. I'll, I, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I yeah, go ahead, <laughs> yeah, I mean, am I, am I off, am I off basis? Like, I mean, I'm thinking like, all right, a university is a physical university. Why sure. can't it have a, a 24 seven, you know, metaverse, if you will. I know it's the hot word right now, but why not that? So it, it absolutely can. Um, the biggest thing too is, is also, it's one thing to see a progressive platform. Um, something that can speak to you and it makes sense. And this absolutely does that. The challenge then becomes, how do I build that for 28,000 students? You know, how do I build that up to, to potentially maximize 
um, the visibility and, and make it a good resource for your students and your staff and your faculty to tap into. And that's the challenge that you guys are obviously, you know, you're facing in regards to elevating it to the point where it, we can scale it up. So that's one of the biggest things with any piece of software technology in any enterprise environment. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, higher education or enterprise or, or what industry it's in. When you talk about software, it's about dependability. And so that's, that's where Gamer Jive has some things to prove. And that's where next week is a good test bed for it, um, for sure, because it'll prove its metal and uh, really kind of um, sell itself in that way. Now, that being said, aside from the technical aspects, the opportunities for this, absolutely, especially with Gen Z, make a big, big opportunity, uh, create a big opportunity. Now, again, being on the IT side of, of OU specifically, you know, when we came, we went to spring break and we kind of semi shut down during that week. And then the weekend hit right before classes resume and the world changed overnight. And on the IT side, you know, that first week was chaotic uh, for the most part as we're getting tickets after tickets after tickets and dealing with um, faculty and staff and students dealing with transitioning their entire world in education into Zoom meetings and and uh, an online digital space and the adoption wasn't horrible in the, in the conversion as far as the uh the rate of success and those that were submitting tickets but at the same point you know that's going to happen when you change that's a cultural shift kind of thing and a cultural shift is always the hardest to impact in any enterprise environment any kind of community in general um, and so that's that's one of the things you know embracing technology that deeply is something that would be a challenge but that's that's where visibility of it exposure to it continuity um, and building reliability into it, or at least reliability to the point where if something goes wrong, we have quick responses, can solidify itself as a cornerstone resource inside of a university landscape. And again, going back to the COVID impacts in higher education, um, every institution, I don't care which institution it is, is struggling to find ways to differentiate itself each, from each other again, mm -hmm. when the things that predominantly were the things that differentiated from us from each other are kind of marginalized and subdued right now because of the lack of physical programming. So take COVID out of the question. And then we start talking about, well, how could we use this as a means for prospective students and recruitment? And that's, that's where the, I think one of the biggest opportunities in higher education comes from. So, you know, every university has their primary regions of where they recruit students from. And so naturally we're in the Midwest, we're in the heartland. And so there's a lot of North Texas, there's a lot of Oklahoma naturally and in our surrounding states. But if we start talking about international students on a heavy, heavy basis, or we start talking about California, West Coast, East Coast, um, Northeast, Southeast, you know, and so forth, then our, our, um, our focus and penetration opportunities, uh, wouldn't, uh, aren't, aren't as, as robust or even we don't expend funds for that in general. Um, and this is me just, just speaking theoretically. And sure, so sure. now you, now you can build a platform where you build a room and a space and you're, you know, recruitment and admissions resources, or even representatives from different colleges that want to look for STEM students or, or whatnot can specifically target those areas and completely reduce the cost of travel and touch point. And so at least can gauge if those markets are even viable now using a platform like this, and then make a much better educated decision to commit funds for travel and to go meet students in person based on that interest. So it can absolutely serve as a tool for recruitment in that way, but also serve as a tool for gauging interest as you continue to expand um, your footprint as a university and your reach. Well, then I think that real reallocation of capital, as you mentioned, can have an exponential impact because you're, you're, an event doesn't potentially doesn't cost it nearly as much. Like that's initially we look at just on the numbers side of it. And then, okay, then you can reallocate that. Let's say that budget was a hundred K, right? Then you can reallocate it to, to making the event more immersive, things like that and making it more engaging within the environment versus paying, you know, other expenses. Right. right. So I mean, that's, I, we've had that conversation quite a bit. 
Um, there's a question. So I want to get this question real quick. Uh, Tyler, thanks for jumping on LinkedIn. What are universities doing to assist K through 12 groups address the culture shift around gaming? Lead by example. That's the biggest one. So if we talk about, if we talk about regional in Oklahoma, Oklahoma has their own, um, uh, Oklahoma has their own esports league based out of Union Public in Tulsa, and granted, it's it's gotten it's needed some help growing. Um, but the fact that it's here is a start. You got to start somewhere. It's going to crash and burn no matter what. It's unprecedented, un, undeveloped, never done before. Um, but that's the that's the birth of it. And so again, um, COVID has helped elevate the profile of gaming, online resources, and virtual programming. And so that allows us to now have more visibility and more more energy to go and, and tackle those things. In a perfect world, in my dream, um, K through 12 integration, summer camps, things like this, uh, at-risk youth outreach, and um, and building kind of uh, at least summer contact points, if not collegiate-sponsored and focused. Um, it's almost like a career fair, but basically a tournament in general, but that's focused on K through 12 only or grades 9 through 12, at least starting. Um, could be a, a place where we start. And those are things that I've dreamed about doing and wanted to do, but again, lack of resources and, and um, elevation of endorsement are still kind of hindering me. But then we start talking about California and we see um, some organizations uh, and universities that are absolutely embracing the K through 12 pipeline as they should. And they're, it's paying dividends it's in regards to the recruitment base and more diverse pool of students incoming. And the interesting thing is that again, we're, we're also just creating structure around something that already exists. We just didn't acknowledge it. Um, almost every student organization across the entire U.S. and Canada, and I imagine globally, almost 60 to 70 percent of those students that make up their esports organizations and developments are all engineers. So, again, the communities and the cultures are already there. It's just creating the, the, the infrastructure and, and some programming around it that brings it to life. And then, Michael, I mean, what is what is the vision for Gamer Job? You talked about, uh, you know, Luke's talking about bringing that to life. Um, what are these environments? What do they provide? to be able to do that? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think it's one, an immersive environment that does replicate a real event, but we could also go through and do things that you couldn't do in a real environment, which is cool, to say the least. Sure, what, do you, what are some ideas? Yeah, so what are some ideas maybe around that, hypothetically? Uh, I mean, my personal ideas would be like integrating games more heavily, integrating things like, um, what would you call it? Um, what they call in the East virtual idols. Like there's, there's literally in Japan, there are concerts where the singers are not real. <laughs> um, I think that tying that in would be super cool. Um, and I, I also had a couple comments on the education side. Um, sure, go ahead. Yeah, one was, I know, Luke, you said to me at one point, uh, besides the, rec the student recruitment angle, you also mentioned, like, like, having something like this would possibly allow you to, like, get uh, companies to your career from the coasts too. Yeah. So, um, you know, conferences in general has been one of the, you know, another big hit from COVID, you know, in the gaming communities, we're talking about anime con, comic con, things like this. And granted, this was absolutely can't fulfill cosplayers and the need for that stuff. Right. But at the very least, um, it can still supplement as a stopgap for the things that it can 
do. But yeah. then we start talking outside of the gaming industry. We talk about industry in general. And granted, you know, again, we're talking about technology adoption and based on the audience of attendance for the type of conference. If we're talking about conferences, and we're going to talk about generational differences, if we're talking about a conference that's focused on Gen Z and millennial, especially high-tech millennial, then this is going to speak to them without having to really tell them much. Um, and so when I was demoing this for my own students, I didn't have to explain anything about what, what they were looking at. They knew how to integrate with it right off the bat. And so they just needed a few points in regards to the AV tools. But other than that, they, they understood how to navigate in this and they, they okay. took off right off the bat. But when I start getting into um, uh, Gen X and, and older, then, yeah. then it requires some handholding. And so that's where, that's where um, tr uh, you know, crossing those barriers and knowing the right tool for the right application is important. It's not going to be a cure-all. But um, that same point is it still can be supplementation. And that's the, the point is that it, things like this resource, tools like this, can have their application when purposely marketed and developed for the right application. And that's the thing. It's just like, let me, let me just create you know, this, and then just apply it, it'll work. No, like this is gonna, this is gonna speak to a specific demographic more than the others. And for higher education, again, the energies that I represent, it's, it is an amazing tool because of the current generation that's currently coming into higher education and exiting out of K through 12. Yeah. And, um, but that's, uh, that's, that again, can still supplement um, general conferences overall in um, why, and I'd really like us to pause there and talk about like some of the technologies that we built in that you guys built into this that are the answers to what I'm talking about and not just me um, conceptualizing it. Sure. Yeah. Um, you also, you, you hit on the point about the demographics. It, it's interesting because like back in maybe 2005, um, I found it very interesting that like World of Warcraft was accessible enough that, you know, I, I met, a player um, in World of Warcraft who was like a grandmother who was like <laughs> getting in touch with her, her kids across the country. So wow. they were able to connect, and that's 15 years ago. Right. So, you know, it, 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 it you know, that stuck with me though. So. Right. No, and that's, that's, that's absolutely it. And the thing is, is that that's, again, not something new to those that are gamers. We just haven't wrapped our head around it from the business side. Right. And then for the rest of the world, it's always been there. It's been the underground energies, the grassroots energies that symbolize gaming and, and things like the FGC community since the nineties and, and, you know, the birth of, of professional esports as we really kind of know it today with Starcraft Brood War in South Korea as Samsung Mobile and, uh, uh, Korea Air sponsored their first uh, pro player. And so, you know, that's a little esports history for you. But, um, you know, those things are, are the birth of these things and they've existed. But again, the, the, the mainstream eye hasn't paid attention to them. And they've lacked some infrastructure, aka some support, and so that's that's the shift that we're seeing. Are we still are we mainstream yet in this topic in in the U.S.? Absolutely not yet. Is it growing momentum? Oh God, yes, it is. And um, mm -hmm. again, referencing when I started with the esports specific research and development in 2016, um, you know, there were less than 30 universities with any kind of elevation of endorsement across U.S. and Canada. Now we're pushing past 150, 200, easy whether they offer some kind of a, a advanced or elevated uh, endorsement from the university, scholarships, academic curriculum, um, career placement services, something. Um, that's insane growth in four years for any industry. And so that's, uh, that's why stuff like this is extremely important because this is what we care about. I think it was US Census, and don't quote me on that specific source, but um, last fall I gave a TED talk and I referenced this and it's just not, it's escaping my brain, but 
um, the age demographic in the U.S. right now, 18 to 29 year olds, 65 percent of them play a video game. It's not defined by gender. That's not defined by race. That's not defined by anything except the age. 65 percent play a video game. If you play Candy Crush or Pokemon Go, that's a game. Mm-hmm. So, again, this this is one of those things that's culturally kind of ingrained in the 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 current Gen Z generations and high tech millennial, um, uh, the older or the younger part of the, the millennial generation. And it's just not been addressed because it's been one of those comforting things that that we've all kind of said it's so easy to do. I don't label myself a gamer because I downloaded Candy Crush on my on my smart my smartphone. But that culture is still there. It's still a common point that you can talk to somebody else that plays this in. And that's 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 as simple. If we dumb down it completely, that's the simplest way to to put gaming in the communities that can form and how they organically form when you create virtual environments and spaces like this, like World of Warcraft or or um, things like Fortnite or, or anything like that, where there, there is that multiplayer aspect to it. Yeah. Um, and it is also interesting to note that it's those, those demographic shifts going on and there's also, um, what's the word I was looking for? Um, like, I, I've done a lot of demographics research just because of, like, you know, initially we thought we were going to have to do marketing, so <laughs> I only started on the research. But um, one of the most interesting things that I have noticed um, is, like, the Gen Z cohort is actually about three quarters the size of the millennial cohort. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's more, like there, as as far as serving potential customers, there's probably more like boomers, Gen X, uh, and millennials than there are Gen Z. Just un, you know, maybe maybe the census, the new census count will change that. But right. um, I just thought that it, it's interesting because. Right now, we're in what they call an inverted pyramid, and demographers is tie, tie that into all sorts of things like economics, politics, etc. So, I mean, hey, a couple, yeah, a couple, yeah, sorry. So, a couple, yeah. I think we're getting feedback somewhere. Sorry about that. Uh, so, yeah, thanks, thanks everybody jumping in. There's a really good, there's some really good conversations happening uh, on platforms on the chat. Thanks, you guys. Thank you all for jumping in. It looks like Justin, Tyler, Carrie, Lance. Thank you guys so much. Jacqueline. Uh, let me grab a couple things here. So, Jacqueline says, also keen to connect with schools and collegiate esports groups. Um, actually, that was, I grabbed the wrong one. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, Jacqueline, you said something earlier. It caught my attention. Um, but no, the other point I was going to make as far as, I mean, I, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to go back to it again, as far as, you know, you talk about differentiating factors between universities. What if a university ha- had their own, their own, their own virtual space. Right. And then like, and then that differentiates from another university potentially that has just a physical space. Right. And then we just mentioned the Gen Z language is digital. Like when, when, and I've noticed when people come in the platform, it's WASD. Like wow players are like, oh, they get it immediately. Right. right? So it's right. like there is no learning curve. It's like, okay, you look at like two things, like, okay, I'm in. And like they're in, they're running, they're jumping. You know, they're looking for glitches. That's, mm-hmm. that's a funny thing. Like, oh like, yeah. When, when gamers are on here, it's so funny. Everybody's like, oh, where's the glitch? Where's the glitch? And they're trying to jump out of the world. And you know, so that it's just it's funny how the like the two cultures are I see it kind of colliding, and it's so cool, like for the business and gaming side. Right. Um <laughs> 
So I think this is a good segue right now yeah. because again, we haven't really showed the platform aside some visual. Yeah. Let's, let's let's walk through some of the things that I that speak to me, mm-hmm. um, and then also uh, I do have quite a bit of, of OU population here that have yet to see this, and um, they they definitely have questions about the functionality of it. So, and I'm going to have some questions that were asked to me, um, and these are going to be specifically targeted to Michael. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Yep, no uh, worries. But, uh, but so basically, first and foremost, um, one of the things that I really want to talk about is for anyone that's been on a zoom meeting anyone that's been on um something like a discord or a slack or or anything where you have to switch channels of communication to 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 see the text chats as well as the voice channels um this is going to be the easiest way to translate this is that you now have a very visual 3d and representation of that same exact process the difference is instead of clicking just on the channel which will also be changed a little bit in the live you know with with you guys implementing the portal system but um the the, the easiest way to say that is that basically on the right side of the window, um, you see a list of people that are inside or have attended this conference. And as Michael would move out of this area, if you see the little green area by his feet, um, it transitions like transitioning from a text channel to another text channel. So if I'm interested in seeing what tenant basis text channel is about or voice channels, I move into that space physically. Now, what follows us? Like what's enabled as I move from one space to other? What other services? What what are the things that are that are happening, uh, Michael, in regards to just that simple act of physically moving from one to the next? Yeah. Um, so basically it is kind of like a geofence. Um, when you move from one area to another, uh, it, it moves you both for voice and text chat. Um, if you are in a private chat, then you don't get moved. You can walk between areas freely and just keep chatting with your private uh, comrade. And <laughs> then um, we are implementing instancing for the upcoming events, so at times you may um, get moved into a different instance, and we're trying to make that as good an experience as it can be. So, um, again, to help me, because one of my one of my strengths is that I had a mother who did not understand technology at all, and so I've always had to put stuff in layman's terms since I was about this big. So, um, I'm going to help trying to translate a little bit from the technical jargon and to translate into the actual application, especially for my university peers that um, may just be seeing this for the first time. So, essentially, when you walk into these different geofence locations in an environment like this, you are immediately thrown into um, textual communications as well as audio video communications. So it's the same thing as theoretically clicking on a Zoom link and then joining a meeting, except you don't have to click on multiple links to switch different meetings or or different broadcasts. You just physically or virtually, in a physical sense, virtually move around the space to change those rooms. So if Tenant Base had a speaker that was talking about um, Tenant Base's business and what they're looking for, all you'd have to do is walk into the space for tenant base and you'd be able to pipe in that audio and video right without doing anything extra. And the same goes as soon as you leave it, you go back to the lobby or if we go to some of the smaller areas in here, the same thing applies. So um, that's uh, that's the core fundamental, as simple as it may sound, is extremely powerful because now if we think about it in the context of what I was talking about before and in the articles I released, now I can go and consume content at my own rate. I don't have to just attend or just go be here or there. I can pick and choose just like you would at any conference in the physical sense and prior to COVID impacts and so forth. So if I wanted to go and listen to Tenet Base or if I wanted to go and listen to um, you know, a gamer drive speaker, I would just go to that conference room by physically moving my avatar or selecting on the portal to go there. 
that in itself, you know, is, is a big deal because now we, we literally have created a digital uh, workflow or you guys have created a digital workflow that replicates exactly what you would do at a, at a normal conference is if I want to hear this keynote or I want to hear that keynote or that speaker or talk to this company, I need to go physically go there and then, and then move on. And so one of the, one of the biggest challenges again, from the context of Gen Z high tech millennial and the more introverted uh, types that have that social anxiety is now I can just go in there and creep in the corner, just like I would do on a discord server or anywhere else and still get all that conversation and com communication and information without having to interrupt anybody, without having to awkwardly open that door. And as silly as that sounds, it's amazing how how um, how inhibiting that can be if you're coming in late and you open the door and then all of a sudden it closes randomly and everyone looks at you. It's the most awkward thing ever. And those things can put off a lot of people. And so here we go. Now we have a solution that, that alleviates things like that. Come and go as you please. And um, that's the core of uh of of the really powerful parts of this technology now that's a one-to-many situation now michael also referenced the the private chat and so if uh, michael if you click on me um to show that uh um my expansion you can expand it out i don't care uh at the same point now now i have an access point to reach out to somebody to basically get a, a digital vid, a business card Again, now I don't have to interrupt anyone's conversation. Now I have a contact point with somebody at this company. Now I have um, the ability to, to at least start some um, some some communication. And that in itself also is another another hurdle for a lot of people. Man, I really want to talk to this company. I really want to work for this company. Or I really want to at least meet someone from this company. But maybe it's because, you know, at a career fair in general, there's just so much energy going on and it's distracting. Mm -hmm. It's off-putting. But now I can at least grab information for connection without having to interrupt anybody. And that in itself also is a very big deal because that's, that's again, those things that I would struggle with from my own experiences attending these things, you know, in my early 20s um, would just sit there and defeat myself. And there were so many times that I would not initiate conversations because of that, that literal contact point of, uh, of just, you know, meeting up to somebody. Yeah, sure. When I finally, you know, built up the courage to go shake their hand firmly, look them in the eye and say, hello, I am. This is what I'm about. But um, at the very least, now, if there's a company that I might be interested in or there's something else going on in the conference room, I can at least collect information as I go um, based on what I'm avail what's available or my time limitations. So moving forward, and you don't have to do this because we can't enable it because we're using our webcams right now. But at the bottom of that is that uh, um, is that invite to private chat. And so what Michael's hovering over right there is basically the representation of where our faces would be in webcam. Now this is fully functional. The only reason we can't demo it is because we're using our cameras right now for the stream, but this now facilitates one-to-one -one conversations, which is exactly the same as walking up to that rep and saying, hello, I'm, I'm so-and-so, this is what I'm about. Can we have a conversation? You know, let me, let me learn more about your company or let me learn, you know, facilitate an interview on the spot or at least stage an introduction and then schedule a meeting outside of the platform for a later date when it's not so busy. You can facilitate all those things all under one roof, under one platform in one place. So with us uh, really pushing and promoting Gamer Jive's Career Fest next year, now you see how these tools can absolutely fill the need that we would have in a traditional sense in a physical space of a conference for the same exact functionality that we would do walk up to somebody shake their hand hello can we talk 
or even if I wanted to ease in a conversation where a rep was talking to an audience and being able to contribute to that conversation in real time through text and so forth, all of that's there. And, um, and so again, you know, we're, they're working on um, dealing with scalability and ramping it up, but the fundamental technologies are absolutely there. Uh, um, the last point I want to make before I'll, I'll stop talking is um, what does it take to run this, Michael? Like what uh, on the front end, like the end user, the people that need to be and utilize this space to attend an event, what are the, what are the technical requirements um, for the end user? Yeah. Um, so as long as you have like probably Intel 4000 graphics, it should work. Um, it does require a GPU, but you know, Unity does support pretty far back. Um, I did have one person who tried to use like a computer from 2011 and it didn't work. <laughs> but, sure. Um, probably I would say like any computer like after 2014 is safe. Um, or, you know, the Intel 4000 series is also pretty old um, at this point, I think. Yeah, it's um, 14, 15. Yeah. Think, yeah. I, so, I think there's basically, like, as long as you support, like, DirectX 10, which is something that we could easily work with people to have them check. Right. Um, so any any decently modern laptop or computer basically can run this natively. Yeah. And what I, what I mean by natively is so everyone in higher education went through the Zoom. Most of us went through the Zoom transition, which required you install and plug in and then may have had a problem with the plug in, depending on your Mac or PC and whatnot. And yeah. the difference with this tool is it's built in native code within the browser. There are absolutely no installs whatsoever. You open up Chrome, you open up Firefox, you deploy it. That is a huge point, again, because if a department at a university is trying to deploy a tool, we also have to create the tutorials of how to get that tool working. Yeah. And so that eliminates a large portion of technical support just to get going. And now you just fixate on your webcam and your microphone resources and really nothing else as long as it's up to date. That's that's a big deal to me coming from the IT and technical standpoints and backgrounds because that, that automatically elevates the point of entry for a lot of people that get frustrated when they were dealing with Zoom installs or get frustrated with having to install a plugin and get going and are being frustrated with going through this long series of prerequisites and instead just open a link, register or log in, and then you're in in this platform, done. Yeah, and there is, there is one thing that we have told, had to tell some people to do, but it is on by default. Um, hardware acceleration might be turned off in your browser for some reason, but it is on by default. So usually you don't have to mess with that. All right, so we are <laughs> we are backed up on the comments. Uh, sure, thank, you, thank you, yeah, thank you all so much. Um, I think we're trying to make the rest for the most part Q and A. Uh, uh, Michael and Moog, that was great going through all that. Um, there's a couple things. So Carrie jumped in on LinkedIn and said, "Love that consume content at my own rate." I want to go back to that. I think that's really interesting because you can, um, you know, the barrier to engage in the event the way you want to. This allows you to do that. Like you, you customize the feel yourself because right. you can, I can go up and walk up to any person that I want. I can connect to them. If I just want to, okay, Hey, that speaker is a, is a the tenant based booth. I'm going to go up and click them and click their LinkedIn profile and send a connection request or something like that. So it's me creating my own experience through the environment versus, um, and more laid out, Hey, here's how the event should go. It's me saying, okay, here's what I want to do. Like throughout, and I know it's kind of maybe a basic way to say it, but Carrie kind of encapsulated that. 
Yeah. And so I want to build on that, um, yeah. which is another key point. So Michael, you showed this offer a minute ago and I didn't talk about it, but go ahead and click on that clipboard again. Oh, um, yeah. And so what this is a representation of, and I want people to think about the opportunities of what this is. And this is a simply defined, just like Chris mentioned, is it just a virtual, a virtual representation to a brochure on a table that you would have at a regular conference. So this is where we can have that representation to pre-built media, to pre-built PDFs, uh, brochures, marketing decks, whatever kind of content that we have, now you have a way to do that as well. So maybe you know, I don't even wanna talk to anybody. I just want to get all the information you know, from these companies that are absolutely seeking and go to each area and, and uh, just pick up that content and see it, click it, download it, save it, and so yeah. forth. This could also absolutely be used as a means, because one, one of the things that a lot of us go to career fairs for and conferences or cons in general for is the free giveaways. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that those things have stopped. We just don't have an easy way of getting those things in people's hands anymore because of the lack of physical programming. But this could absolutely be something where we partner, where you partner with whoever creates your merchandise and streamline that process. And it's, I've, there's plenty of opportunities for that. There's local vendors for me in Oklahoma that will absolutely facilitate this where it's, hey, fill out this form and the first 50 people that come by the booth, we're going to give you a free swag bag and have it mailed directly from you, completely eliminating the logistical burden off of the company that's building that or branding that, that stuff. And now giving that that uh, that job to that to that third party to facilitate it and ship it directly. So you can still build things like that if you if you build those connections together. And once it's built once, then it's streamlined for any other event that you put on. And so that's no different in any platform. But having the visual representation of a clipboard easily kind of makes you think form. If you had you know if you had another piece of of, of documentation or, or visual representation of something, easily could reference as a you know here's a link to all of our media or static information pages, articles, research that we've done and so forth, which yep. is kind of the, um, one of my biggest kind of gripes is that most in higher education, we had knee jerk reactions because again, granted COVID kind of creeped up on us and then we had to react. And so, you know, posting a, a series of zoom links, like I mentioned at the beginning is a, to me is a kind of a 2010 way of approaching what we dealt with. Now it's kind of, a, it's, it's okay because we had to do something. But now that we're past that, we can get back to innovation. We can get back to really focusing on uniqueness and creating um, those unique experiences for our students and, and for our, our audiences. And a tool like this does that. But um, that also means that you have to be more media rich. You, you can no longer just do the bare minimums. You have to be more immersive. You can't just do a one-off event. You have to now put this as a standardized uh, programming moving forward as the standard. Because this is, again, we're, we have yet to see what the new normal is. It'll be a while, I'm sure. But um, these are things that should be part of the new normal in my in my book. Yeah, and multiple times saying overlaid over top of it and not necessarily saying, OK, the virtual world is going to take over the physical world and physical experiences, but that you can have it together and that, that, that it's a very good combination uh, when you give the option of experience on the physical or the virtual side. So there's just going to be more of that overlaying the virtual space and the virtual experience with the physical experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. And Chris, feel yeah. free to interrupt me as, yeah, as sure, sure, get sure. feedback, but there's, there's one of the concept that I want to talk about, because again, one of the things that I wanted to come in today is talk about all the opportunities before we finish out with the, with the career fest, specifically what's happening next week. But one of the things that, that has been a big topic in higher education and education overall, I don't care which segment K through 12 or higher education, vocational, anything is gamifying the classroom. 
And it's been a, a long conversation for well over a decade. And, and how do you make it more engaging? Because again, anticipating the future generations and um, Google made a big push with this with Google Classroom and their focus on, on open source res, uh, solutions for K through 12. And most, a lot of, at least in Oklahoma, a lot of our infrastructure is built in Google Classroom because it's a free resource for education. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about as a means, and granted this won't apply to everything, but this is again, just another thing to help people think about application opportunities is what is stopping you from putting and facilitating a class, a class in this environment. So yeah, you could put in the scenario where as long as you complete whatever the requirements are that grade, you know, basically make this clipboard, um, you know, and add infographics that are specific to the topics that you review for a midterm or anything like this, and then fill out this, you know, use this as a, as a tool to say, all right, here's the link to the quiz, go take the quiz, come back, move on to the next, but also make it like a triathlon, you know, make it a, a, a true test where it's just like for extra credit, we're going to also host a race. Now, granted, that's not going to fly for everybody, but um, in certain situations, especially gen ed classes, um, you know, you could facilitate, here's a series of, of quizzes. The first ones that get through all four of them, the grades that you score in the pop quizzes, that's your actual grade. But for extra credit, the rate at which you do it, you know, can also be this. And this is other things that uh, that can absolutely could be used in the context of even outside of just a conference focus or an expo focus um, for gamifying a classroom, even as a one off event or um, as a special event on it. And, and one of the things to think about as well is that we're talking about a 3D space mm -hmm. and we made it look you guys made it look like a, a traditional space in general, but why could this not be in the Louvre in Paris? Why could this not be in the space station in in in, in space? Why could this not be right. you know in the front of of, of Lincoln Memorial? Um, and so this is where you can now make it a bit more immersive and um, and engaging in the context of just visual optics, uh, and and also applying it to different opportunities outside of just conferencing and uh, expos. So we had a couple of questions here real quick. Uh, they had a couple of questions about the context of this environment. So, mm -hmm. and someone said, uh, you know, on the website said that this event has ended things like that. This was a previous networking event. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, just to, for the context, this is not the environment for the, the, for the career fest next week, just for context for everybody to understand that. So this is more of a demo space right now. It's more of an open environment open networking. Uh, admittedly, I try to have all my meetings in here because yeah. I like it because it's Zoom 3.0. Like it's, yeah. you have, I mean, you have Zoom on the right hand side and then you have a virtual environment space 90% of the screen, right? I mean, that's when I tell people that initially like, oh, I just want to get it, right? right. Um, so I just want to throw out there as far as the context, time, context of what people are seeing right now, this was a virtual environment space for a virtual networking event. That was that, that the feel and the ambiance was a network, uh, you know, uh, an evening networking event. Right. Um, exactly. And so another another concept um, that uh, I want to throw out as a means for anyone that does event planning in general, especially conferences um, that has multiple programming throughout the day, there's nothing stopping you from doing a potential scavenger hunt inside of this, which is no different than a quest inside of an MMO. Um, and so you could build that um, to the point where it's like, hey, talk to every single booth or whatever, whatever metrics or, or things you can do. These are, again, things that speak to Gen Z more than anybody, but starting with the millennial generation, we were used to seeing that achievement unlocked in Xbox, you know, in the original Xbox mm -hmm. and these other platforms that eventually do it in trophies and the PlayStation and the network and so forth. And those are things that can absolutely be built into it. 
you know, a lot of enterprise solutions in the last decade started to focus on badging, you know, badging systems, which for the most part, I think horribly failed for a lot of people. But um, the, the same concept was there. It's just catering to a different audience. And so this audience would appreciate that or at least be interested in it as another right. means to say, hey, at the end of the conference, if you met everything, you know, submit screenshots for everything that you attended and saw. And here's a swag bag from us, you know, as a thank you for attending. You know, there's other things to incentivize participation in, in, in your action. And, and this just becomes so much easier because you're 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 not completely limited by the cost of a venue. You're not limited by the um, by the time constraints of of just the clock in general. And again, now you have the opportunity of opening it up to a micro audience or a macro audience. And um, that that is also significant in regards to a recruitment energy or an engagement piece or uh, an external outreach piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a couple, couple people in chat talking about talking about quests. And if you're on TikTok, you know this is huge. But yeah. the challenges, all yeah. the challenges. If you're if you're a part of TikTok culture, you know how big the challenges are. I mean, imagine having a challenge for the event, just like on TikTok, but right. in the context of the event that you are in. You can't tell me that that's not going to increase engagement. Some people would literally show up just to try to win the challenge. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? like they, absolutely. Like, they don't even care about the info. They're like, oh, there's a challenge. Like, you know, the competitive people are like, all right, I'm there. Like, I don't yeah. know what I'm here for. That, that um, would be, I, would, I would attend events. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, know. Hey, like, this guy I don't know. I'm here, I'm, I'm here to be good. Like, I'd like challenge somebody like, to come with me so I could just be yeah. there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, beyond the events, I mean, it could work for co-working, uh, is, um, incubators and accelerators, um, just business town halls, um, hackathons, game jams. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, it's a laundry list. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, classrooms. Yeah. Um, just thinking like uh, esports tournaments, uh, like sports bow type environments for hanging out before or after something. Um, telehealth and you know legal offices stuff like that. Um, right. Just right, exactly. Like the list goes on and on. And then also, you know, I honestly wonder how long before we get like our first political candidate wanting to use this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> again. Yeah. It, yeah. Right. So, I, I mean, it, again, it is, it's just a, a laundry list. But again, I, I think it was said at the very top, it is about the execution of the environment. Like you can say, hey, I've got a virtual event doing this, but it is once you're in there, like how does it feel? Like what's, what's, what are some of the, the objects in the space? Like what, what, what does, um, you know, visually, how does it, like, how does it create the environment for me? Like what feeling does it pull out of me? You know, like as I'm walking through the environment and talking to people and, and colors have a big deal, the design obviously is huge. I mean, that's, it's, it's definitely maybe understated, like how much design goes into something like this. And you have to have a team that understands, okay, we are doing all these micro things to create this type of environment. So I think that's important. Um, I want to talk about one another another yeah. application that I came up with or another thought um, in, the, in the context of recruitment energies, regardless of higher education, but recruitment in general, especially headhunters for companies and so forth. Again, another tool that can be utilized to speak to uh, recent graduates and, and um, you know, Gen Z specific demographics for employment um, or inclusion into a higher educational institution. But um, this also now think about it from the context of being able to facilitate translation in real time. So maybe you want to outreach to international students. Maybe you want to outreach to international markets. 
and there is a language barrier. So just like in the real world, you'd facilitate a translator in the midst, in the middle of them, um, at the very least as a means to, to either speak to a different board or speak to a different company for globalized uh, differences. But now this can also serve as the same thing with the ability to do marketing decks in this and, and, and media rich content, but then just bringing on a translator in the same context in those windows that can absolutely do um, do that for you in real time. I also, um, my I referenced it in chat, uh, my mother's a speech therapist and, often, and was also um, a native sp Spanish speaker. And for the majority of her time would take a lot of time doing translation, which was outside of the context of what she did with speech therapy, but she would do uh, translation as well as sign language. And so I see applications for that, especially in this current landscape where students like that absolutely still have the need to be coached on speech and, and be coached because of a potential learning disability or a disability in general. Um, and so this is another means to also give some persona and some, um, some character, especially to the youth that can't, cannot stay in an attentive state. If you just talk about a zoom meeting, you know, they, there's just, just not going to apply to them. It's just gonna be like, what am I watching? This isn't YouTube. This guy's boring. So, you know, this is, this is, uh, where I can, um, you know, further, further work into, um, you know, other opportunities. When we talk about the absolute, uh, supplementation and answer to an educational need in another sector that's within, you know, as a subsector inside of education, that's a big part. And um, that also goes into, uh, uh, Ken just mentioned transcription, which is also another big deal um, that can absolutely happen. And, and then you mentioned medical as well. And, and I, I see that too, again, when we have um, of these things, because uh, imagine making it a doctor's office in this space, like uh, especially a pediatric doctor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, right. then, and then And like if COVID was really bad, you know, really, really bad to the point where we just, we could not risk it. And the point is, is like somebody got, you know, injured or you're doing a teleconference, you know, consultation and you design a space that has all this wonderful graphics arts and infographics that cater to, you know, children because there's a pediatric doctor. And then they're amazed by that while you have a conversation with the parent about what's wrong and still being able to ask the child, you know, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but the point is, is that you could do it. And that's, that's the thing is, is a, why not try it? Because there might be a solution, a situation where it may just be needed. Oh, snap. We got a, we got a client who can't travel and they're not feeling well if diagnose them, but let's make it engaging for the, for the youth, which a lot of time lifting spirits can help so much. And um, just for the, the mental health part of it in regards to, you know, ailment. And so again, just trying to really throw out ideas that, that I feel are, are semi-organic to the application of a tool like this um, and the industries that they can cater to, regardless of being higher education or not. Yeah, there's, there's, there's so much going on in chat right now. It's, it's, it's funny. There's a lot of, there's like eight different uh, angles yeah. going on. That's exactly the point. And that's what happens. Like when you, it's funny, I was talk, talking to someone, uh, I guess last week and it's like, I don't know, you get into an environment like this and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just how my mind works, but my mind opens up when I'm in a meeting like this in an immersive environment versus, you know, just like a video or, you know, something that's less immersive. I don't know if that's just me, but like it kind of opens up your mind to imagination, um, especially if it's within the context of what that environment is supposed to be about. You know, I, I don't know if that's a phenomenon I'm just going through, but um, it, it leads down to just like idea generation and things like that. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to get, uh, ask a question because, uh, Aaron Franco, um, asked about, um, unfortunately, uh, Oklahoma city university had an unfortunate act incident with their zoom, uh, commencement yes. and I'm not going to reiterate on it, but it was, it was tasteless and it's unfortunate for those students who have worked hard to accomplish it, which then presents the problem, uh, and the concerns about security measures. So right now, um, 
in the context of let's say that um, you know we have a you guys are having a very very public event next week, and we have no idea about who's truly going to attend this thing. You know, in regards to obviously the signups, but you can have a lot of people come into it. What tools do you have in place, and what tools are you conceptualizing about the future? Um, and I'll have a continuation question about this, but um, to help mitigate trolls. Yeah, it's. That is a question that we've had several times, and um, you know, while we are still working on some things, you know, it will be a test of those tools. Um, and you know, we, you know, I would say at this point we're learning as we go, just because this is the second event that we've done in a business uh, setting. So we do kind of have to see like what happens and what the best responses are. So. At, at the very least, as administrators, you guys can boot people off, correct? Yes. That's a start. So that's at least the start. And that permission can be granted to, if you were building this platform for someone and they were the host using your platform, that can be built into their tools, correct? Yeah. So yeah. that's at the very core, that's a start. And um, that's, that's what I, was, I wanted to answer that question, Aaron, because that is, that is a question that I was asked on the OU side as well. And, um, and so that's, uh, that's a, at least a start to the answer. Um, some personal feedback from mine, again, things that I haven't truly shared with you guys, but also to help me align with the audience too, looking at this from a consumer standpoint and, and a user of this potential, or this service potentially, is um, you know, baking in the tools when we're talking about putting on a, an event or conference where you have keynotes or you have an event coordinator, just like in a normal, in anything, you have somebody that's coordinating the event, having the tools to be able to moderate, you know, having the tools to be able to um, to manage those opportunities or those in those instances when somebody does come in with malicious intent, which is again, no different than a physical event. If somebody is gonna come into your career fair to depending on your security levels and has harmful ideals, yeah. they can accomplish what they want, what they set out to do, which is unfortunate, but it exists and it's happened and it's, and it's been in the news and things like that. And so in this environment, um, you know, having the ability to just boot people out and, and inhibit their ability to impact it person, an official, uh, impact it past an initial blip um, is a big deal. Um, and it's one of those things that absolutely, uh, I know you guys will focus on more, but at least having the ability of kicking people off the server and kicking people out of the environment without misbehaving and, and being disrespectful to the spirit of what the event's for um, is a very good starting point um, at the very least, which is pretty much a no-brainer for anyone that does these things. But um, the point is, is the hear, verbally hearing that, that that's a capability and that's there is a big deal because if we talk about K through 12 outreach specifically, and we talk about right. high school seniors or high school, uh, right. you know, high schoolers in general, especially high schoolers that are gamers. And if you ever play Overwatch and you played Overwatch competitively, competitively, you want, you know that that stuff is not yeah. mentally healthy. It's a little toxic. toxic. Yeah. It's very, very we spent this word same time. Yeah. It's exactly. very, very toxic. And um, so, um, but that's uh, those are things that um, those are the things that were asked to me, and they're absolutely valid because no one's going to tell you. You know, they're going to come in and just sit there and, and harass you know other people or or be distracting and things like this. So the ability to silence them both in text text and, and audio visual means and boot them off the server are, are big tools that will help further um, uh, soften the uh, acceptance and adoption rate inside of businesses that want to utilize your services. Um, have you guys ever heard of, it's called the Bodle system? I haven't. So basically, it's, um, there, there's a researcher that 
you know, he's started way back when most uh, online environments were text-based. Um, but he published a paper, like, in 1996 called Hearts, Clubs, Spades, and Diamonds. Um, and it's basically kind of a essay analysis of, like, different types of players and how to encourage or discourage different types of behaviors um, based on how the different types of people interact. So hearts are socializers, um, diamonds are achievers, your competitive types, um, there's spades who are the explorers, the ones that want to like, break, break things, but you know, they're just exploring, they're not like trying to harm things intentionally. And then clubs are killers or trolls. Sure. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and if you're familiar, uh, that's like a system too. Like, and also if you're familiar with Discord at all, if, if you if you have a strong moderation and admin team, a lot of things can be taken care of very quickly. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's things now, whether it's manual, whether it's manually booting someone uh, as a moderator, or if it's a, a, some type of bot integration as well, that we haven't talked about yeah. that as well. So there's, there's some automation that can be in place as, you know, down the road yeah. for sure. Right. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting because like we've touched on almost all, all almost all four of those player types in this mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah, no, so. and that's, that's the point. Show it, show it yeah. off in as many angles we can. Yeah, um, but you know, there's there's basically research been done where it's like um, you can actually do certain things in your environment when you're building it to encourage or discourage certain player types, and obviously, you know, in a business environment, you'll probably more strongly. Um, Want, like the socializers and the explorers and maybe some of the achievers and you don't want the others. Right. <laughs> um, as far as the cybersecurity angle, um, we have two companies actually involved both in like helping us with cybersecurity as well as uh, speaking at the event. Um, and then my dad also is in cybersecurity in the public sector. So I I tie into the cybersecurity space quite a bit. Um and you know it you know without going too far obviously it is very interesting to see like what things what things they discover versus our own QA. Um, right, and it just takes it'll take time to yeah. to get all those layers in place. So yeah. I did. I, I know. I know one thing is that I lose track of time when I'm in virtual environments. So I just check the clock, and we're over the time. I mean, I know we got things uh, sure. uh, busy schedules. So um, I appreciate you guys jumping on. Everybody, thanks in chat. Chat is on absolute fire. Uh, this is the most com- this is the most comments we've ever had on LinkedIn Live. So whoever's still here, you're a part of a record breaking. <laughs> Linked right. it live for us, so it's going to hit like 200. So I appreciate everybody jumping on. I mean, Lance, Justin, uh, Peter, Brant, uh, Tyler, everybody that's been jumping on. Um, I really appreciate you guys. 
uh, I'm on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, I can't name everybody. <laughs> I, got all the, I got you know I got all the different platforms up and running. But a lot of great questions, a lot of great uh, comments. Uh, so I just I guess a couple things. This environment is still open that you're looking at right now. We've posted the link before. I will post it again if you want to come in and take a look at it. Uh, Michael, do we have a call to action for uh, the, the event next week for Gamer Drive as far as volunteers? Yes, so okay. I'll put the volunteer link in. I'm I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitch, and YouTube right now, so I'll just put it there. Okay, and this is the best way to figure out what is happening with the event next week, and that's on the Gamer Drive Discord. So if you are on Discord uh, and you know what it is, and you're other you're in other discords, this is the best way to, to know what's going on because announcements and things like that. So this is going to be the best way to communicate. So make sure. Uh, so I went ahead and posted that. If you're not already on there, uh, that's for that's for the speakers, volunteers, the panelists, the keynote speakers, all that, all the information. If, especially if you're in that group, uh, please be on that Discord. Or if you know someone that's not there already, let them know about it because that's just an easiest way. This is a very easy way to communicate. Yeah. Um, so make sure to jump in there. Yeah. Besides that, on the we will be announcing everything when it goes live, both both panels and event stuff, and um, we also have a space for people to post resumes and stuff if they're looking for a job. Um, so it, it's both a conversation space and a pre-launch setup space for you know everyone involved in the event and then also um um we are coordinating load testing and volunteering yeah so the short short of it if you want info about what's going on this week and next week jump in there because everything's going to be right in the discord so make sure to do that share with someone that's not already in there um moog michael yes. thank you all thank you all very much Absolutely. Thanks for having yeah, me. I appreciate walking through it. A lot of really cool conversations. And uh, we will be, again, more information about streaming next week and things like that. We are, I am going to jump on uh, in, the, in, the, in the virtual space a couple more times this week. And we'll hopefully, you know, crossing fingers as far as uh, potentially a build out here pretty soon to yeah. kind of take a sneak peek as to what's going on next week. So I uh, yeah. hope you guys can join that. Make sure to have every, appreciate everybody on YouTube. Um, setting those reminders and notifications and subscribing. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for subscribing, following uh, on Twitch. Thank you all so much on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's on fire. You guys are crushing it. So thanks for being there. Um, if you guys have anything for us, feel free to reach out. What's the quickest way to, or best way to reach out to you, Mood? Um, easiest way is to reach out to any of our social media channels, the OU Esports, pretty simple. Um, or look it up for us on SoonerEsports.org, one, you know, all together. And um, the article for this specific event, as well as documentation of who we are and what we're doing with the esports space and collegiate environment, um, is all there in one place. Very cool. Um, Michael, for you, best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'll drop my email address. I mean, it's fine. I get a lot of emails, but <laughs> I will reply to Um yeah, thank you so much on YouTube. The, YouTube was on fire today too, as well. Thank you all so much. Uh, Kristen was Kristen Garcia. Anita yeah. was on there. Thank you all so much. I think a lot of a lot, a lot of OU representation <laughs> on there. So player versus coffee on Twitch. Um, thank De Debbie Bowles just said thank you. So no, thank you for being here. So thank you guys. Yeah, Justin just put like nineteen fireballs in the chat. <laughs> in the <laughs> chat, so like LinkedIn's on fire. All right. Well, thank you all so much for being here. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Lost track of time, but it's a lot of fun. Sure. All right. You guys stay safe. All right, guys. See ya.
थैंक यू Hey guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. Just want to thank everyone who has done a five star rating or review. If you enjoy the content, this is a way to get the word out about the Level Up Experience, and I really do appreciate it. A couple things: if you want to get connected uh, outside of the podcast,、um, we do a live stream on YouTube and LinkedIn. So just search Level Up Experience on YouTube、uh, to be a part of the live stream there. We also do LinkedIn Live, as mentioned. Search my name, Chris Reed, C R I S. R E E D to get notifications on either platform. Thank you all for all the support, and we'll see you on the next episode.